If you have your Bibles, please turn with me. Hopefully you're still in John 15 this morning. And a few weeks ago, we, I, we dabbled in the idea of what it meant to be a Christian. What it meant when Jesus said to his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he told them in verses 7 through 10 of chapter 15 what it looks like to be a Christian, to abide in Christ, to produce fruit, what it looks like to glorify the Father. And all of this he commands us to do. He commands us to obey him. But the good hope of the gospel is that Jesus also provides that which he commands because the way that we obey the command is through the conduit, through the connection, through the abiding in Christ himself. Because to abide in Christ means to be united to him by faith, to use him as a life source, to depend on him, to listen to him. Because everything that Jesus gives his people is what the Father gives to Jesus. And this is who they are. To be a Christian means to be dependent on the vine himself. Which means, in turn, Christians are to act like Jesus. Christians are to pray and speak like Jesus. Christians are to glorify the Father like Jesus. Christians are to bear fruit like Jesus. Jesus, because we are so united to him. This fruit should be produced by every pore, every sense of who we are, because this fruit is the love that God had for us in his son. This is what it meant. This is what it means to be a Christian. And this week, what I want us to see is what it means for us to be a friend of Jesus. And this is the good news. If you have faith in Jesus, you are a friend of Jesus. And I want us to see two things this morning. That friendship with Jesus is sacrificial And friendship with Jesus is transformational. That if we are connected to the vine, everything about us is what we receive from Jesus, then we are friends of Jesus. But before we look at our passage, let us go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, to whom shall we go? For it is you that have the words of eternal life. Help us now to hear and obey what you say to us this morning. Lord, we come before you as a people who have nothing to offer. We have nothing that we bring that has an ounce of merit of our salvation. But we come to the cross of Christ. Lord, this morning we might have weak faith. Some of us might have a vibrant and strong faith this morning. But Lord, we come this morning all needing the same thing. To be reminded of the gospel of Jesus. That without him we are nothing. Without him we have no life in us. Without him we have no way to the Father. Lord, I ask that you bless this church. Lord, I ask that you bless Jonathan Pence and Mary Elizabeth Ray and John Michael and Cynthia and Miss Peggy. Lord, and we rejoice that Murphy was able to come home this week. Bless that child. Lord, we are so thankful for Nathaniel that he received the sign of your covenant blessing. Go before him. Bless him. May he be a blessing to this world and make great the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for our fall Bible studies, for the men and the women's studies for the adult studies in Oakland and Somerville, for the Catechism Club, and for our youth group this meeting this semester. Lord, bless those times as we, as your people, study your word and fellowship with one another. May it be a time of encouragement and a time of growth. Yet at the same time, may it be a time where you call us to repentance, to live shoulder to shoulder with one another, to bear one another's burdens. We ask that you bless that time. Lord, we pray for the upcoming school year for all of our students and teachers, whether they're in public school or private school or they're at home. Lord, bless them. May they know that everything they read, everything they study, is a truth about the world that you have created. Lord, we pray for our farmers and their crop. We pray for all of those in this congregation that run their own home business. Bless us, Lord. May we be good workers. May we be good employees or employers. May we love as you have loved us. 
Lord, I lift up Jeff and Katie Saunders in Japan. Lord, they are thousands of miles away from home. But Lord, we ask that you build around them a community. We ask that you allow them to participate in the bringing up of your kingdom in Japan for the good of that people. Give them strength and courage to stand for your gospel. Lord, may your will be done there on earth as it is in heaven. And may we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In the summer of 1962, a young boy moved to a new town to live with his mom and his new stepfather. This young boy was shy. He didn't make friends very well. But his mother encouraged him to get outside and to meet new friends. And eventually he made some new friends, but his friends found themselves very quickly in a bit of trouble. This group of friends loved to play baseball. This is what they did every second of every day. They played baseball. But while they were playing baseball, one of them hit a home run over the fence. And although this should be something that's celebrated, this particular instance was very bad for them. Because what that meant is that they couldn't play baseball anymore. Because they had hit the ball over the fence, and on the other side of that fence was a terrifying monster. It was a junkyard dog known as the Beast. And legend had it that this dog was a mean dog, the meanest of all. This junkyard dog had one thing on its mind, to kill everyone that broke in. And he did. And he liked it a lot. This beast was the perfect junkyard dog that, that ever lived, a true killing machine. And then the cops started getting phone calls about all the disappearing thieves. It added up to about 120 or 173 guys. Yet they never found a single body because the beast ate them all. And so the police chief, Squidman Poldarius, ordered that the owner chain him up and to never let him out again. But this young man and his friends, they devised a plan. We were going to face the beast. And there was one friend, Benny, for the love of the game, the love of his friends, decided to jump over that fence and face the beast by himself. He was willing to sacrifice himself for his friends. This was the true mark of friendship. Now, if you don't know, I just described to you the plot of the Sandlot. And the Sandlot can teach us a lot about Jesus. 
Because Benny was willing to die for the sake of his friends. And what John describes for us in John 15, verses 12 to 13, is that this is the same type of love that Jesus had for us, his friends. This is the basis of a good biblical friendship, a willingness to sacrifice our livelihood, the goodness of ourselves for the sake of someone else. This is the first step of the ontology of biblical friendship. Jesus says that someone laid down his life for another. And this is exactly what Jesus commands us to do. Jesus commands us to do exactly what he did for us based solely and completely on love. Love for one another. And back in John chapter 13, we learned that this new commandment wasn't all that new. And as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning, the commandment to love God and to love others goes very deep in the history of the church. And Jesus says in Mark 12 that this is the greatest of all commandments, that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And the second greatest commandment is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. But as we saw in John 13, Jesus added something to that great commandment. Not only are we to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we are to love our neighbor as he loved us. What he added to that great commandment was this idea of sacrifice. That a true friend will sacrifice himself for others. Before he said, this is what he says in John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love others. This was the point. This is why Jesus washed their feet to show them of what kind of love that he had for them, that he was going to give himself up for his disciples and therefore making them clean. But look at where, look at the directionality of this love. This love that Jesus provides for his disciples is only the love that he himself has been given from the Father. It always moves away from us. The love of Jesus always moves away from us as it moved away from him. The love that the Father had for the Son is given by the Son to his disciples so that they might love outwardly. So they might know how to sacrifice themselves for the friends. For this is what John tells us in 1 John chapter 4. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And then in chapter 4, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And this is very much like what James spoke about in James chapter 2. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, 
and I will show you my faith by my works, by this love, by this love that we are so loved by God himself. Jesus is commanding us, if you love me, you will love others with this same love. And this is the hard part, right? How are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to love others the way that Christ has loved us? Because when we look at our lives, I don't really want to love others the way that Christ has loved me. I don't really even want to love others as others loved me. I want others to love me the way that I love me. And do we remember what Jesus taught us earlier in this chapter? He is the way and the truth and the life. The way that we receive this love is through Christ himself. We are only able to fulfill this great new commandment, this self-sacrificing love when we abide in Christ. It's all dependent on whether we abide in Christ or if we try to love one another based upon our own strength. Sacrificing, self-sacrificing love is one that gives oneself over for the complete benefit of the other, regardless of what that does for us. And this isn't a see and therefore do. This is a connection. You cannot do apart from Christ. We keep this commandment. We obey this new commandment because we are so connected to Jesus and we are so overwhelmed by his grace and his love for us that we should have no other option than to love as Christ has loved us. And day by day and week by week and year after year, we should become more like Jesus because he has shown how much he loves us by going to the cross for us. And this is what, why Jesus says in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. This completely removes the idea that any of the disciples were there because of their own strength, because of their own merit, because of something that they had done in the past. The ability to love others the way that Christ loves us is completely dependent upon the grace of God. And my question for us this morning is, do we understand the depth of that grace? Do we understand the depth of that love? 
because this is the, this is the love that God the Father had for us. He didn't die for us because we were his friends. He died for us to make us his friends. Because Christ died for us when we were still his enemies. Christ died for us when we were still dead in our sins. But Christ died for us so that we wouldn't have to. This is why we are friends of Jesus. We have moved from a place and Christ took our place upon the cross that we deserved. He gave himself for us. We have nothing left to offer except what we have already freely been given the love and grace of Jesus Christ. This is what friendship looks like. This is what we are called to do for one another. And so here's the question. How's the friendship test going? How well are we loving one another in the way that Christ Jesus loved us and gave himself up as a propitiation for our sins? Christ does not ask us to die in the exact same way. I cannot make atonement for your sin, but I can give myself for you. And as I prepared this sermon, I really didn't want to preach this sermon. Because when I look at my own life, the friend test doesn't line up very well. Because I want people the way that I love me. I don't want to love people the way that I love me. But our only hope, our only hope of fulfilling this commandment is to rely upon our life source. Is to be so connected to Jesus Christ that we have no other option. This is the friendship of Christ. And then we see in verses 14 and 15 that friendship is transformative. I worked for Best Buy for 10 years. Some of you, some of you knew that. It was, it was my in-between job. And I said that all 10 years, that this is, this is just my in-between job. But I had a manager who didn't start off as my manager. He actually started off as a friend. His name was Tyler Morris. We both worked at Best Buy together. I was a part-time employee, and he was a full-time employee. And then when Tyler became a supervisor, he hired me as it, that I went from a part-time employee to a full-time employee. And then when he became a manager, I became a full-time employee under him. And then we became a regional manager. He actually moved me from my position in Northwest Arkansas, and I worked for him in St. Louis, Missouri. Every time Tyler got a promotion, he somehow promoted me. And this is what we see in verses 14 and 15. 
We aren't promoted by our own merit. Why are we promoted? Why are we taken, as John says, we are no longer servants? For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. This ontology of friendship is not only sacrificial, it's transformative. For God has taken someone that was an enemy, then who was a servant, and now has become a friend. A friend. A friend that knows what the Father is doing. You see, it's, it's the knowledge, it's knowing and hearing what the Father has done for us in Jesus Christ that changes us. And we think of all the servants in Scripture. Being a servant of the Lord is not a bad thing. Moses was a servant of the Lord. The prophets were servants of the Lord. But this is what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied, these servants of God, about the grace was to be, sorry, about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what, a pers- what person in time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. And the things that you have now been announced through the preaching of the good news and of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. These servants of the Lord longed to know this salvation of Jesus Christ. These servants prayed and taught and hoped that at the revelation of Jesus Christ, they might look into it, but friends, we have seen it. We have tasted the sweeter glories that servants only wished that they could see, and we have been made friends. And this is our hope of the gospel. God has made us friends so that we can actually fulfill our calling. Because that's what Jesus does. He transforms servants into friends. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He transforms dead people into alive people. Through abiding in Christ, We become the friends of God who enables us to love as he loved. He enables us to bear fruit. Bearing fruit is love. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Through the power of the gospel, through the revelation of Jesus Christ, through his substitutionary death on the cross and resurrection, God has transformed us. He's invited us 
He's called us to be a part of his kingdom, to become something that we could not be on our own. He has given us the power of God to actually fulfill what he commands, to love our neighbor, not as ourselves, but to love our neighbor as he has loved us. We love because he first loved us. This is what Christ has accomplished and applied through his Holy Spirit. And what is this a picture of? This is a picture of Eden. This is a picture of what creation was supposed to look like before the rebellion. A self-sacrificing love and a transformational love that we can only know in Christ. This is what he's calling us to. This is what he is calling us to be. And this is the good news. We have done nothing to deserve it. But it's based upon his love for us in Christ. We are friends of Jesus. He loves you. And he's calling you out of that love to obey him. May we rely upon the source. May we rely upon his love. May we rely upon Christ himself. Amen.